We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com and NetsRepublic.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, the great Australian, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? It may surprise Buzz listeners, but Nick and I were actually talking about things other than Brooklyn Nets basketball for quite a while. So how about that? Yeah, we could probably only do that for about seven or days until the season starts. But uh, yeah, but plenty of other things. We're talking a little Venom, a little Dragon Ball Super. You know, we do have life outside of the Nets in the NBA. But today we'll be talking Ed Davis, Kenneth Reed, some of the new additions. And before we get started, as always, quick reminder, check us out on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Now, these players didn't play for the Nets last year, so we'll give you a quick input on our opinion from them from last year. We'll start with Ed Davis, you know, one of the best backup centers in the league last year you know he was a key piece in the rotation for portland loved by the fans loved by the team signed with the nets this offseason one year 4.4 mil yeah nick i think as well when you did um when we did acquire both of these players you did some great episodes without me um obviously you know hearing an outside perspective from people in portland and denver so definitely give it a listen to those episodes as well but ed davis is probably the premier reserve center in the league um i put out a couple of tweets um nicholas turner did a great uh, video breakdown as he does he's the best at that you know in on nba twitter uh, no doubt about that must follow for nets republic um but i think yeah davis was He's going to provide so much for our net squad, and we've seen glimpses of it already. Um, you know that Detroit game when I logged onto Twitter, you know, just after landing from Vietnam, literally I saw Anthony Puccio, Nick Faye, Nicholas Turner, Nets Daily, all talking about Ed Davis, and I'm just like, 4.4 million—it's paying itself already. Yeah, it was a steal in free agency to get him at that price. I know a lot of teams were jealous that the Nets were able to sign him that fast and that quick on that deal because he could fit in so many different rosters with the skill set he has. And obviously, I think last year, we were not Portland fans, but from the outside perspective, I think it was a success. Same thing for you, Jack. Yeah, it's success. Um, you know, if you're grading him upon, obviously, whatever you want to call it, you know, his per 36 numbers, his rebounding, his... Just a, a overall culture fit and his, you know, ability as a teammate, his personality, success on so many levels. 
Yeah, and like you said, we've already seen some of the stuff in preseason. I know, like you mentioned on Twitter last night, you know, you saw a lot of talk about the rebounding in quick minutes, and you can just see the toughness and energy and some of the veteran leadership he's going to bring. There was a couple plays where I saw him pull Karis LeVert to the side and be like, all right, do this, do this, or whatnot, offensively and defensively. Now, talking strengths, though, like you've mentioned, you've had some good tweets on this. An elite rebounder, very good screener, brings that toughness, and like I said, he's a nice veteran to have. What are some other strengths of Ed Davis? Yeah, pick and roll offense, I think, is uh, an underrated strength of his. I think his ability to sort of finish plays there. Uh, his screening, I think, is really nice. His two-point field goal shooting, he knows how to just make the right shots. You know, he's always hovering around that 55 to 60% range from, from two. You know, his post offense, his putbacks are awesome. Uh, this is uh, Tommy Beer on Twitter. This is per basketball reference. Ed Davis became the first player in over 30 years uh, since 1986 to average over seven rebounds per game despite playing less than 19 minutes. Um, I wish I could come up with that stat because that is absolutely crazy. Yeah, it just goes to show you he has a really big impact in the game on the board. So, uh, like you said, Jack, those are all the strengths. Now, weakness-wise, you know, he's not jumping through the rim. He's not a guy who's going to throw down a million alley-oops. He's not really giving you a ton scoring. Like you said, he knows his role with the layups and the putbacks and whatnot. He's not going to cross anybody up, pull up from three or anything like that, and not necessarily a great free-throw shooter. Any other uh, weaknesses for you on Davis? No, I was literally probably going to say all those. I think, you know, he doesn't take perimeter shots. You know, you don't necessarily need all your big men in the NBA to take that. You know, Rudy Gobert, Steven Adams, all, all, a lot of these guys, despite, you know, the the changing landscape at the NBA, you know, there's still value in, you know, old school centers, so to speak. Uh, I would like to see an uptick in his, in his free throw shooting, you know. Uh, rather than that, I think he had a career year uh, last year, though, um, 66, 67% from there last year. Uh, quite serviceable for a big man, but, you know, if you want to be, you know, not sort of, you know, hacked, so to speak, uh, and be a bit more confident from the line, I'd like to see a 70% range, but, you know, that could happen. We could see um, that jump. We saw Jared Allen, you know, exceed expectations and then some uh, as a free throw shooter for our nets. You know, maybe, you know, the, the nets start putting some work within there, but, you know, not a lot of weaknesses from Ed Davis in terms of uh, overall, in terms of his fit with us, and in terms of as a player overall. Yeah, from the position he plays, there's really not a weakness when you're putting him at center. He's not a guy that's going to come out on the perimeter and lock down a point guard, but he fits his role defensively. Where would you like to see him improve overall next year, if yeah, anything? I, I yeah, I talked about the free throw percentage, but I think in transition offense as well, he can get a little bit better. Um, he's shown glimpses there in terms of with, with Portland and, you know, running the sort of pick and roll with, with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. I think because the Nets are going to probably be emphasizing quite a high pace and, and guard rebounding, Davis could get some, you know, easy finishes if he's running quite hard. I think that might be probably a better strength of the guy that we'll be getting to in a little bit in Kenneth Fareed. But I think Ed Davis can find some, you know, easy baskets there. Or even if he's just, you know, following up the shots a little bit, um, which he does so incredibly well. Uh, in terms of getting the offensive rebounds and, you know, the the extra possessions. You know, if, you know, we're getting a, a, a long transition play, you know, someone's taking it from the perimeter and they miss it, and then Davis puts it back, bang. Um, so I think there might be some opportunities there in transition offense. Yeah, just running the floor hard, I think, is always, in a, you know, a success for a big, especially if you're going to a team that probably plays with a little bit higher pace. And like you said, free throw-wise, definitely jump in that area. But I think if the he were to be pretty much the same player he was last year for Portland, the Nets would be happy, especially at the price they got him for. Now, how can his teammates and his coach help him improve? Well, his new teammates and his new coach. 
Yeah, I think practicing is going to be really important for him to sort of learn the schemes and the tendencies of our players. You know, uh, like I mentioned and like you mentioned, he's already shown quite a bit in the offseason. His game just fits so well as, as a big man and he can, you know, enhance the level in the game of his players by, you know, making good screens, by getting the expositions. But if he can learn those sort of, you know, uh, synchro- idiosyncrasies of guys like Karis Levert, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dimity, you know, he knows Shabazz Napier already. So I think that that's going to help just in terms of being able to develop that rapport on and off the court with the players is going to help his game even further because we know he's just a very smart player and he's still, you know, only 29. So he's still got plenty of game left in him. Yeah, learning the tendencies and chemistry with your new teammates definitely will have a help, especially with some of the his pick-and-roll partners, you know, D'Lo, Levert, Dinwiddie, and like you said, he already does know Napier. And I think another thing for the team, you know, don't ask him to do too much. You know what he's capable of doing. Don't try to put him in situations and make him do more offensively and whatnot. Keep him in his role. You know, put him in good positions with a pass. You know, sometimes you'll see a, a player throw a big a pass and they'll be caught in no man's land. You don't really want to do that. And then in terms, we've mentioned he's a really good screener. One thing when you have a good screener, be patient. They're going to create separate for you don't try to rush and get them called for an offensive foul so that's pretty much some ways the team the team can help him improve now roll in the team starter or bench player uh i think he'll be a bench starter but uh, a bench uh, <laughs> bench starter bench. i like it <laughs> <laughs> uh, hybrid uh, but yeah. i think uh, in that in that sort of sense as well i think that if we see you know an injury to jared allen or, or respiratory to jared allen Perfect sort of makeshift starter. You know, I've talked that about plenty of other sort of players, but, you know, in terms of matchups as well, if Jared Allen isn't going so well against like an Enos Cantor like he did against the Knicks the other night, put in Ed Davis, bang, bang. Uh, perfect ready-made replacement. A guy that uh, we certainly could have used last season for plenty of stretches. So I think Ed Davis is the perfect, you know, bench, bench player, but has starter caliber uh, skill level. Yeah, no, 100% agree with that. I think he'll be on the bench, but at times you maybe start him over Jared Allen or if Jared Allen, you know, needs some rest just because he's, you know, smaller frame and you need to kind of get some rest for that body. I think Ed Davis is a fine fill-in. Minute-wise, what do you expect? Uh, anywhere from sort of 16 to 20, Nick. I think that, you know, Ed Davis is a guy that, you know, proves that he can, you know, provide instant energy off the bench no matter what he does with his uh, very versatile skill set in terms of as a defensive and uh, somewhat offensive big. So I think anywhere from that 16 to 20 range, uh, and I think he's going to, the coaches are going to love him. So I think that we could certainly see closer to that 18 to 20 range. Yeah, I think I'm going to go probably with like pretty much what you said, 17 to 20. You know, I think there's some nights where, you know, Jared Allen, like we mentioned, maybe he's getting banged up by Cantor or another big in this league. And, you know, we're going to see Ed Davis play in the mid-20s. And then there's other games where maybe Jared Allen, like we saw in Detroit, is really just dominating the game in terms of rim protection, catching the oops, running the floor. We're going to play him a little bit less minutes or if the Nets are going a little bit more small. So I think that's right around that range, 17 to 20. But usage-wise, what do you expect to see, you know, pretty much what we saw in Portland? Yeah, um, with Portland, he's had his, like, very up and down. Like, last season, it was at 9.5%. So, barely had the ball in his hands. Obviously, he was basically just finishing plays for, for guys like Lillard and CJ. But I think that that can increase a little bit. And, you know, he's had uh, seasons where he's been out of that around to 11 to 30% range. And I think that that's probably more likely. I think that we'll probably see a little bit above 10% because I think that Coach Kenny uh, likes his basketball IQ from even just the – and I think that the Oakland as a whole likes his IQ and likes his fit and I think that we might see a very minor increase from that you know probably into the double digits 
Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, in the low double digits, somewhere between like 10 and 12 or something like that, you know, Kenny also likes to see the ball move a lot offensively, even if it's just a quick pass or have him do a couple of dribble handoffs or something along those lines. I saw a couple of those last night. So I think, you know, maybe a slight bump in the usage, but he's able to have an impact without the ball in his hands, you know, mostly just rebounds. Stat wise, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, we look at per game numbers, but uh, I'll do my per game, but then I'm going to do my per 36 because I think that's what we need to sort of look at a, a little bit more for guys like Davis and Freed, which I've done for both. Um, so for per game numbers, 6.7 rebounds, 0.8 blocks. Doesn't look that good on paper, but when you extrapolate that, you know, in terms of his minutes per 36, I think you could get somewhere around that 10 points, 13 rebounds and 1.2 blocks. Um, I think he's a double-double machine when it comes to per 36 numbers. I don't think uh, across his entire career... I, if I'm mistaken, he has averaged less than a double-double. Um, he's an absolute monster. And I think that whatever he does and whatever minutes he's given, he's going to be a very effective teammate and player for this Brooklyn Nets squad. Yeah, I've got pretty much the same thing. I got around 7-7, seven and seven, you know, 7.7 .7 rebounds, a, a field goal percentage similar to what we see in the past, anywhere between like 55-plus to 60. I think it'll probably be, you know, maybe at that 57 range. Hopefully if you can get up the blocks a little bit, but, you know, we, we really care about the rebounding. Having some of those monster games, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a couple like 15-plus rebound games from him when he's given more minutes. Yeah, I mean, I'm I salivate at rebounding. It's just it's one thing that whenever I'm playing one on one against um, my fellow favorite Nick uh, JBT co-host Nick Busing, I just can't do it as much because I'm just versing him one on one. I'm like I can't really show my best, but like seeing guys like Ed Davis in this squad, you know, I love Joe Harris a lot. You know, everyone knows that we've, we've heard that plenty in the Brooklyn Buzz uh, episodes. But uh, Ed Davis is going to be uh, a fan favorite, and he'll certainly become one of mine very soon, and he is already. Yeah, he's a guy that I've even just watching him last night in preseason, he's just a guy that you can tell you're going to love during the season, constantly doing the dirty work, setting good screens. Like some of the screens he set, I feel like the Nets players didn't know how to react because they had so much separation where in the past, you know, they're getting very little. So I think that's going to really help them. And like I said, I think the fans will love him too. In terms of Ed Davis long-term with the Nets, do you think there's a chance he'll resign after the offseason or is it really just going to depend on the offers on the market? Yeah, I talked about this with Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick, and I think it could be a similar sort of situation. Um, I think that Ed Davis has proven himself that he is more than this uh, sort of um, exception that he sort of got at that $4.4 million range. I think he, he far exceeds that. Um, but it'll be about what the Nets can get in free agency, what other teams are willing to offer him. Um, it, it's going to be a, a virtue of what the market dictates. And that is generally what, how it always is when it comes to, to NBA free agents. We saw this offseason, you know, the, the money dried up a little bit. A lot of guys took one-year deals so they could get that extra money that when the salary cap increases next year, obviously it's going to be very saturated. So how much is, you know, a team willing to spend on a guy like Ed Davis, who has proven plenty as a bench starter, but you know how much oh, I keep saying bench starter. <laughs> but mate, I, 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 we gotta add I'm, it. I'm gonna coin that in. You know, he is a bench starter because he is a bench player who can put in starter level uh, caliber. So for me, uh, I think that it's somewhat likely because I, I've mentioned. I'm, I'm a little less optimistic about the Nets' chances in landing a star or a or a very high caliber player in the uh, going forward. But you know. You can do worse than you know, adding in another year or two of Ed Davis, who's still got plenty of left in the tank uh, for a guy who's only 29 years old. 
Yeah, and he's a guy that could really pair well with uh, Jared Allen in terms of having a backup to kind of fill in and bring that extra toughness that maybe Jared Allen doesn't have at this age. You know, I think a lot's going to depend on his sell for well, also the net success, which I think is you know obviously going to be a big factor in every decision for player in the team in general. But I also think like how he fits with the team, how the culture kind of works with him, how he vibes with Kenny and whatnot, which we all expect to be probably positive. So I think that could factor in his decision of maybe staying in Brooklyn on not maybe a long-term deal or a deal that's like somewhat favorable to the Nets, but he's getting his money and he's really happy and living in Brooklyn and winning with his team and kind of building the culture that they have because we've heard a lot of positive thoughts from other players about the Nets. Now moving on to Kenneth Fareed. You know, they picked him up in the Jeremy Lin trade. He's supposed to be a salary dump. We saw what happened to Mari Carroll. You know, maybe there's some expectations that they can kind of revive his career. He did only play 30 games with Denver last year. Not a very big role. You know, he only really got minutes when players were banged up. What were your thoughts on Fareed last year? Yeah, I mean, I think it was unlucky. A matter of circumstance and a matter of situation for Fareed. And um, obviously, he saw those minutes when Paul Millsap was injured quite a bit. You know, he played 14 and a half minutes a game, uh, just a little bit less. But he was uh, a fantastic teammate. Um, you know, he was a guy, we talked a little bit about Darrell Arthur, and you've talked about that on previous episodes as well, Nick. Um, I, I think that he does things so well um, in terms of for the Nets. Um, he's going to be a great rebounder. He did that very well. You know, his per 36 numbers last year, nearly 15 points and 12 rebounds. We're talking about Ed Davis. Uh, it's the perfect sort of, you know, transition guy to sort of talk about in our next sort of part of the episode. But uh, they had very similar seasons. They have different games. Uh, they have some similarities, but they're both absolutely elite um, rebounders and we're both top five in offensive rebound percentage. And I think I put that out on Twitter, but for those who don't know yet, both top five in offensive rebound percentage and are going to give us a real asset there going forward. Yeah, no, like you said, it's just kind of talking to uh, Brandon Vogue, who was the guy brought on for talking about Kenneth Reed last year. He mentioned just kind of the situation changing for him. You know, they went with Jokic and they had Plumlee and they're really not going to play, you know, many bigs that can't shoot the ball. And for Reed just really didn't fit in how things were working. And then when he did play, his play wasn't necessarily great. So I'd probably call last year a disappointment for him. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, a disappointment, but for me, it was a disappointment because of the circumstances. You know, I'm the big guy that was always been a sort of a fan of Fareed. You know, I, I've mentioned before, I love rebounding, I love energy. And there was this article that I read in terms of a season review of his on NBA.com. You know, in transition, Fareed scored 1.25 points per possession and shot nearly 70% from the field. When rolling to the basket, which we know is an absolute strength of his, um, he scored uh, 1.3 points possession and shot nearly 62%. You know, he's insane when it comes to the open floor and, you know, in the pick and roll in terms of finishing uh, vertically. Um, I think that if he was given the opportunity in Denver and, you know, you take out Paul Millsap and you put Nikola Jokic and Kenneth Fareed in there consistently, I think he would have been a perfectly fine player and may have played uh, a lot more games. But I think... You know, due to where he was and due to the fit, you know, maybe the Nets are going to be able to reap the rewards going further. But um, he's going to have to earn those minutes and it's going to be exciting to see him uh, play tomorrow, uh, maybe today, depending on uh, when you listen to this episode uh, against Toronto for his first game for the Nets. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do on the court. And like I mentioned, before obviously Damari wasn't supposed to come here and have a career year maybe they can get the best out of Harid. now talking a little bit of his game not as much from last year but what we've seen in the past you know high energy guy like you mentioned a great rebounder super athletic can really get going in transition any other strengths you know Farid? Yeah, I mean, his defense, uh, I think, is improving. And I think that uh, he's going to be given the 
hopefully the, the the right sort of situation where that can utilize him. I think he might be a bit better in a sort of switching scheme as well. I think his athleticism should work well with that. You know, his offensive rebounding is one of the best in the league. You know, him and Davis, I don't know how we have two of the best rebounders in the league for an absolute bargain. You know, we took on one contract, got a, an extra pick, and we got one for less than $5 million. So I'm super excited in terms of how, you know, hopefully Coach Kenny can utilize their strengths in our system. But, um, yeah, all the things that you mentioned, Nick, uh, are pretty much the, the things that most people will know about him as well. Yeah, and weakness-wise, you know, he's not much of a shooter, obviously. He's not going to create offensively. It's mostly going to be similar to Davis. Putbacks, you know, dunks, layups, and whatnot. He has a little bit maybe more to his game. There's been talk about adding a jump shot, but we'll kind of wait and see on that. Obviously, he's undersized the big man position. And he does, from what talking to Brendan, he did have mental lapses last year where he just, like, really doesn't pay attention or kind of loses focus. And the same thing kind of happens defensively. Where there is potential, it's just inconsistent play, and he doesn't necessarily, you know, play to his highest ability all the time on so defensive of the ball yeah it can be a bit a little bit lackadaisical on that end yeah. of the floor. and i think that's um not to certain insert like big dictionary words in there but i think in in terms of if coach kenny if he can get you know consistency from his role i think what it take what it in terms of most players in the nba when you have your role waning so heavily starter bench you know dnps it's hard to remain engaged. So I think you can't fault Kenneth Farid on that sort of sense, especially with last season. But, you know, obviously in previous seasons, you certainly can because you had a little bit more consistency. But if Coach Kenny can go, okay, this is what we want from you every night. Um, there might be nights where you, you might not see as many minutes. But if we see these things from you, A, B, C, and D, then you're going to earn those minutes and we'll, you'll get the, the, the on-court time. So I think, you know, going into a new situation, you know, he's in a contract season, as was Ed Davis. He's going to want to prove a lot. And I think that that's going to relate to uh, what he can prove on the court in terms of what the coaches want from him as well. But um, I'm really excited to see, you know, what Davis and Faree, um can do for this Nets squad. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the rebounding should be really exciting, especially in an area where the Nets obviously wasn't a strength last year. Now having two guys like that, it should really boost them up in that category. What are some areas you'd like to see Fareed improve this year? Yeah, I'd like to see him improve as a defender. I think that's the number one thing for me, Nick. You know, the Nets are preaching defense, defense, defense this entire offseason, um, you know, and I think that we want to make a big jump there if we're going to even sniff the playoffs. And I think Kenneth Fareed will be a part of that if he is seeing some court time. You know, you mentioned that the episode you did uh, with Brandon in terms of his sort of, you know, uh, lack of engagement at times. Uh, if he's uh, playing, you know, disengaged defense, you know, he ain't going to be on the floor for very long. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of shooting, you know, maybe, you know, just that ability. And if Coach Henning can go, look, we don't care if you miss him, just take him. You know, because if we have, say, you know, a, a Jared Allen or, you know, some of our Trevion Graham, some of these guard rebounders out there trying to uh, maybe get some offensive boards, maybe that becomes a bit more of a part of our game. Just put him up. Um, so maybe shooting and defense, you know, probably the two easy ones to sort of pick that I think that he can improve on. Yeah, I think defense definitely, like you said, is an area where that'll get you on the floor. Any coach will tell you that. If you play great defense, the coach is going to find time to put you on the floor and then obviously rebound the ball like he has in the past. And I think doing, you know, taking some notes from Ed Davis and doing the dirty work. You know, Farid is a solid guy. He's got some major muscle, set some good screens, you know, put some more effort in and just doing some of the small things and banging down low. And I think that could really help the team. And like you said, someone with a role should help this area, but maybe consistent, consistent energy across the board, offensively, defensively, running in transition consistently. But that should hopefully come with a role, leading that up to how can his teammates and coach help him take the next step. 
Yeah, I think for the coaches, it's about giving him just the confidence and the green light, giving him, you know, the the things that they want from, like I mentioned, the, the certain things, you know, do this thing, do whether it's rebounding, whether it's, you know, pick and roll, uh, whether it's screening, whether it's, you know, uh, defense, what, give him uh, the focuses that he needs, that narrow focus. Uh, I think any person in life, you know, if you go, this is what I want from you, that they're more, more than likely going to be able to go, cool, this is what I need to do. I'll go out and do it for you. And they're likely to exceed those expectations. In terms of his team, mates i'm excited to see a guy like carol silvert who we saw so much sort of um improvement in the in the pick and roll last season with jared allen i'm, I'm inside to see him with a with a, a rim runner and the verticality of a guy like kenneth freed i think that they can they're going to be some highlight plays from them next season i think putting him in the lineups where there's some adequate shooters around him maybe playing him at a small ball five at times and then also defensively as well because we know he's not necessarily the best sort of rim defender you know if he's playing at the five and you know he's not necessarily the best one-on-one defender but if in the right schemes and in the right lineups i think that we can see some um, really nice things from him yeah like you said putting him in a position to succeed and that comes with the coaches that comes with his teammates throwing a couple oops i think an interesting scenario would be you know having crab or harris on the floor running some plays where you're getting them open on perimeter and then you have Farid cutting to the rim for an oop when you have passers like d'lo lavert and dimwitty now like the offense is just really tough to defend a lot of it's going to depend on what we see from Farid, but like you said also giving him a really uh, specific role for the team and how he can help them win is that rebounding, setting screens, doing the dirty work, and maybe improving on that role. Now, talking about his actual role, uh, uh, bench or starter? Yeah, I think it's a bench, Nick. Um, there, there might be minor moments throughout the season where he, he, he fills in as a starter, but you know he's going to be a bench player for the Nets. Yeah, I know some people have like talked about hopefully Farid starting, but I really don't see it, especially like he has a lot to prove. We haven't seen that really good player we saw a few years in Denver. You know, like he had the time with uh, Team USA where he had some really great move- moments in basketball there. But other than that, like he still needs to prove that he's even a starting caliber player or a guy that's going to deserve a lot of rotation minutes. Now talking minutes, where do you think he'll be at? I think it could be anywhere from 12 to 16, Nick. You know, but there might be nights where, you know, he is the guy out there and, you know, he may see, you know, in the in the 20s. Uh, but I think in terms of his role, you know, if you're wanting an energy guy off the bench, anywhere in that 15 range, I think is going to be good for him. And if he's providing, you know, uh, more than adequate service as a player on and off the court, then, you know, he'll earn even more. Yeah, I'm agreeing. I think 10 to 15 minutes, like it's really hard to see him having a bigger role, especially with Jared Allen and Ed Davis really solidified right now. Now, usage-wise, what do you expect? Yeah, funnily enough, he had um, an identical usage his last two seasons at 18.3%. So I'm going to go with 18.3%. I'm going with it again, going for the triple. Um, That'd be nice. That'd be pretty fun to see, you know, three seasons in a row. I don't know how often that had happened. Uh, basketball reference would probably be able to provide us with that. But yeah, funny, two seasons in a row of 18.3%. Let's make it three with the Nets. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same again, like you said, but I'm thinking probably a smaller drop if he really adapts to what he needs to do for the team to help him succeed. It'll be more of the dirty work than actually touching the ball. But stat-wise, what are you thinking? Yeah, uh, I went with the per 36, so I'll give the per 36 as well as the per game numbers. You know, 7 points, 5 rebounds when it comes to per 36. I think he can average close to 15 and 15, you know, 15 points, 13 rebounds. Um, he's just so good when it comes to uh, his what he is good at. You know, he is elite uh, in his area when it comes to rebounding and, you know, pick and roll uh, finishing in terms of, you know, uh, alley-oops and verticality. So I think 7 and 5 and 15 and 13. 
Yeah, I like that. I think I'll probably go with like six and six, maybe up to eight, possibly in the points per game. But it's really like he's one guy that I do not have a very good feel for what he's going to do with his team, especially we haven't seen him in preseason. Like I said, the last few years in Denver really hasn't been his best basketball. So I don't really know what to expect from Fareed. What are your thoughts on him? Is he the biggest unknown on the Nets for you? Uh, probably because we don't really have much to base it on. You know, we have, you know, 30 or so games with the Denver Nuggets last season. We have his body of work before that, which we, you know, we know of him. But in terms of, I think with any player and any new player, it's about how they fit in the net system. And, you know, with Ed Davis, we've at least seen, you know, a couple of preseason appearances. And uh, because this episode is coming out before the Toronto game, we can't really, you know, gauge much from what, um, you know, Kenneth is providing, you know. Um, he's doing all the right things, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, the Insta post and the Twitter post and stuff, you know, he's posting with his teammates, he's, he's buying into the, um, you know, he is, he's from New Jersey, so he's enjoying his time there. Uh, I think he's going to be a nice fit uh, and in terms of as a teammate. You know, we talked about sort of leadership from guys like Davis, uh, Dudley uh, and Damari. I think Kenneth Freud can provide that a little bit as well. I think that he's going to be not just necessarily uh, a good on-court fit, but I think it could be a nice off-court fit as well. I think that the Nets preach that uh, and then some. But yeah, it is definitely very hard to sort of, you know, forecast what sort of season he's going to have. But, you know, we'll certainly be watching him and keeping up to date with you guys on the Brooklyn Buzz. Yeah, it's like... We know, uh, obviously, Jared Allen's going to be the starter, and then Ned Davis is going to be the backup. Now it's like, are the Nets going to play like a third? He's more so like a center in terms of his offensive skill set because he's not shooting the ball in the Nets offense. And obviously, they have guys like RHJ, and Jared Dudley seems to be getting the backup minutes. And then there's obviously been some talk about Rodeons. So it's just like really interesting where he's going to fit with the team. Like you said, like obviously coming from the situation that he was just in, I just do not have a feeling what to expect. Like, Part of me could see a situation where he really doesn't play much. Like, I don't know if you could see that, but I could see a situation where he's not really seeing a lot of floor time unless it's like spot minutes in certain games. Then I see another situation where he's like all of a sudden revitalized and all of a sudden he's like putting up good minutes, good rebounds, and he looks like some somewhat of what we saw in Denver in the earlier years. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, being an elite role player can get you paid in this league. You know, we yeah. saw Tristan Thompson. He got paid himself, Kenneth Fareed, in terms of a couple of seasons ago. I think he's on about 12 to 14 mil, you know, depending on the, the certain uh, specific year. Um, but, yeah, I think being an elite role player, you know, you can earn your keep. You can have a, a very long-tenured uh, career in the NBA uh, as, a, as a role player. And for him to prove that, you know, he's going to have to buy into what the Nets want from him. And I think that Kenneth is going to be that guy, you know, despite, you know, his lack of time last season with uh, with the Denver Nuggets, you know, uh, teammates and coaches spoke quite highly of him. You know, there were times, like we sort of uh, mentioned and alluded to earlier, that, you know, he was a, a little bit disengaged. But if you can sort of go, okay, Kenneth, there might be some nights where we might, might not see this out of you against sort of certain teams, you know, small ball teams. You might not be a perfect fit against a team like a Boston uh, with the Golden State Warriors at times with that, that DeMarcus Cousins. But, you know, you will see the minutes, you know, where you know there are going to be injuries and we're going to need you to be ready. And I think, you know, Kenneth, if he buys into that and Fred buys into that, then he'll, um, he'll earn his keep and, you know, he might be a net or he might um, earn another contract somewhere else. Yeah, do you, that's my last question. Do you see a scenario where he ends up with the Nets the following season or this is kind of just a one-year thing? We took him as a salary dump and then he'll sign with another team. Oh, well, look, we Damari was a, a two-year salary dump. So I think it's, uh, you, you go by what's uh, happening there. But I think that, you know, he's still got basketball left in him, Kenneth Fareed. Uh, whether it is that's the net, you know, I'd probably rather have Ed Davis if I'm prioritizing the two bigs. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, it's going to be about if Kenneth Freud can show enough adjustment to his game to sort of fit a little bit more. You know, if we're playing him as a small ball five, can he show adequate minutes there? If he can, then if we were to lose Ed Davis in free agency, then, you know, there would be a possibility that we could keep Kenneth Freud going forward. But I think it's more than likely that we'll see uh, him elsewhere. But uh, don't quote me on that necessarily. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's more likely to see him elsewhere unless he were to really have like a, a season where he jumped out of the gym. Like, I guess like a best case scenario for him is obviously offensively working in transition like we talked about and then him being like a supercharged Reggie Evans where he's just like racking up the boards and he's bringing a ton of instant energy off the bench in like a smaller role. But any last thoughts on Free Jack? Very much looking forward to Kenneth Farid and Ed Davis and what that can provide uh, our Nets going forward in terms of They've just got such a skill set that we lacked so heavily last year, and it gives us a new, a real new dimension. So, uh, super excited for that. Um, mini plug for JBT. Uh, we've got a big season preview coming, guys, uh, on my page at the JMA JBT. Got a few polls going. We'll be referencing them. Slide into my DMs. Uh, shoot us an email, jbtpodcast.gmail.com. That's going to be massive. The Brooklyn Buzz is going to be massive. It's going to be a huge, huge year for OTGBasketball.com. Yeah, make sure you check out Jack's season preview. Him and Nick always do a great time. It won't be myself. It's Australian Nick, JBT Nick, and they're always cracking jokes on there. Also, if you're looking for a full-out preview series on the NBA, like Corey and I have just almost done with all 30 teams, I think we'll be having four, three, two, and one drop later this week. But as always, guys, thank you for listening. Jack, always a pleasure talking hoops. Check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OGGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and NetsRepublic.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.